This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. According to many studies, toxic work culture is one of the biggest reasons why people quit their jobs. But what exactly does a toxic workplace look like? And on the flip side, how can you tell if you're the one who's making your workplace toxic? I'm Dr. Johan and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is Deepa George. She's a HR consultant. Welcome to the show, Deepa. Very good. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, Deepa, before we get into the nitty-gritties of this topic, uh, perhaps you can start by defining a toxic workplace environment. What does that look like? Okay, so I guess the first thing is the reality is I find a lot of toxic workplaces don't look like anything from the outside. <laughs> so if you're an outside looking in, you probably can't tell. In fact, even newcomers probably can't notice this. But I think there are a couple of things that um, define really a toxic workplace. One is a place where negativity really thrives. So whether it is bad behavior that's at least you know tolerated or condoned, uh, hopefully not celebrated, but definitely where you know bad behavior and, and attitudes and type of disrespect is, is tolerated. It might be a very political environment as well. Um, and basically what happens is the people who are most content in a toxic workplace are those who are the naysayers, those who are the instigators, the batuapi as they call it in Malaysia, right? right? <laughs> um, and so that's the irony, right? The people who thrive there are those who are really not the type of people that you typically want to keep or, or you know, sort of uh, motivate in your workplace. Absolutely. You, you brought the workplace could be a very political environment as well. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I guess political here means where, you know, you need to take a side um, and there is no neutrality. Now, the reality is there's no one place that doesn't have a little bit of politics. And it Mm -hmm. might just mean that everyone has preferences. You sort of resonate towards certain people. You have formed your own cliques. All that is fine as long as it doesn't affect business decisions. And we know that's difficult because we're humans. We let that subjectivity get into play. But when people are forced to work in, a, in, a, in an organization where you're either on side A or side B or side C, and therefore you cannot function in your own capacity just wanting to do the best for the organization without these different um, factors impacting you, I think that's where politics comes in. So, you know, sort of like uh, pandering to a certain boss or even right. a certain long-serving employee who might have the clause in uh, the organization and nobody can say anything, you know, against him or her and those kind of situations which really make it difficult to work in the best interests of the company and just doing your best as an employee. Right. Now, Deepa, you brought up that, you know, it's it's oftentimes very impossible to, to see from the outside uh, whether a workplace is toxic, or newcomers may struggle as well. So what are the signs that you're in a toxic work environment? Because I think oftentimes people can't see these red flags. Yeah. So today in the world of social media, I think uh, we've seen a couple of people who are, you know, those who've left, who've talked about the company from within. But again, they do that very carefully because, you know, you don't want to defame anyone and so on. But the reality is if people come into an organization, I feel there are two parts to look at it, at the top and then at the ground level, right? Mm-hmm. From a leadership perspective, I guess some of the signs are, um, you know, do the bosses really um, encourage unhealthy competition? Is this an organization where the process itself rewards completely individualistic and um, you know selfish behavior, right? So we're not talking about not having team targets and not having department goals. That's okay. That might be just the way it's set up. But right. when you only reward 
um, individualistic behavior and then you don't have any form of uh, a teaming culture, uh, that might be something that the leaders are instilling. And of course, it directly, if you see leaders instilling fear or really the fact that nobody is allowed to you know, uh, uh, contradict them or even share a contrary opinion, um, that's really something that happens at the top. The signs from the ground level, like we talked earlier about politics, could be mm-hmm. backstabbing, um, could be brown nosing, could be rumors and gossip mongering. And, and something which I call sort of like, you know, it's like this uh, backhanded compliments that we right. all know if we see in a personal <laughs> situation, or even throwing your colleagues under the bus, but making it look like you didn't intend to. I've seen this happen where people kind of say they think they're being really nice about it. They're elevating themselves. They're trying to uncut themselves by putting someone else down and say something like, you know, to the effect of, well, I know Deepa didn't really mean to make those mistakes with all the reports, but, you know, here's the final product and I got it done within two days versus five. And So they're, while right. increasing their own visibility in a positive light, they sort of want to, you know, uh, throw someone else under the bus. And all that is really unhealthy. And you still got to look out for that. Um, at the start, it's not easy, but these are some of the indicators. I'm wondering, is a turnover rate, uh, like a high turnover rate and things like that, a sign of a toxic workplace? Well, it could be, but it is mm-hmm. not necessarily one of the, the, definitely not one of the only indicators. I think we need to look at the lead up to it. And this is where it's very difficult to get intelligence on this, right? Because you only see the data as just the data in itself. You need right. to look at what's behind the data. Is it really the toxicity of the organization that caused the colleagues to leave? Or is it that they were toxic colleagues and therefore the organization then forced them to leave so that we save the company ah. from such people? So you need to differentiate between the levers, the type of levers who have departed versus the company itself. Of course, a very high turnover rate might give you an indication something's not right. But could it also be a wrong fit? Could it be a wrong expectation? So there's no right or wrong answer. You really need to deep dive. So I would be hesitant to say that it is an indica- uh, that it is a primary indicator. It definitely is one of the indicators. But you need to really go back and look at the other data. Then you look at other information, right? Whether you have engagement surveys, whether you look at internal people getting promoted. What do the existing people who stay behind speak about the company? Right. Um, you know, and so is it a case where the average age of the employee there is so young because everybody leaves after a short while, like nine months, and then they move on, they can't take it anymore, versus it's just a certain group of people that seems to churn on a regular basis, but there are good long-serving employees who are not negative and, and who still remain. So you can't take it in isolation, you have to look at it holistically. Now, you know, when you come to, let's say, asking um, people around, the, let's say, people in the company, um, how are things here? How, what, what would you, how, how do we process, let's say, an environment where, let's say you, you're a newcomer, you go and then you speak to um, one department, another department, and they're like, oh, things are fine. And then you, you speak to, you know, uh, one particular team or a couple of few people here and there, and they are like, oh, the management is really bad and it's terrible and, and things like that. How do you know if the people who say things are fine are not just part of, like, say, the company's inner circle or, or perhaps they are genuinely, um, you know, they really think this is a good place and the people who are negative are just being negative for the sake of it or perhaps they are the toxic ones. How, how do you n- navigate this? Yeah, I think you, 
you know, it'd be quite naive of us to say you'll definitely know and you can find a way. There's no foolproof methodology. Mm. So, and and mind you, what is toxic to one person might be, you know, not as toxic or tolerate tolerable for someone else, <laughs> right? So I think it also depends on what really you're looking for and what's your, your uh, that sort of like threshold for it. So what I would look for is, First of all, I think if anybody in a company says everything's perfect here and it's fine, that's also not true lah, because right. there's no perfect company, right? But it, I, I would look for themes. So, for example, is there a common theme that, hey, how come whenever this meeting or whenever this boss comes in and nobody says, nobody asks questions? But generally, when it comes to other meetings, everybody's willing to share opinions and ideas and ask questions. So you're looking for themes and patterns which give you an indicator that, oh, this boss doesn't appreciate anyone um, giving an alternative opinion. It's his way or the highway or her way or the highway and so on, right? So you need to look for themes. So to your point, when you ask for one department, you, you can't really tell. But if you look for the commonality between all these people, um, then you need to look for that patterns and then decide, okay, you know what? It's okay, like, if they really just want us to put our head down and work, not really give opinions and be innovative, that's fine. Because you know what? I'm not here for that either. I'm happy to just come here and do my work and go back. I'm not in a situation where I really want to be in an innovative company. So it might be very different for certain people because for some people, they define toxic, but they never accept new ideas. They only want to do their way. Okay, mm. so you can't say that's toxic because for some people, that's fine because they are at a stage in their life where they just want to do what's required, do their work. Maybe they've come from a place where they are fatigued from all this innovation and change. So it's really different sort of like um, uh, perspectives for different people. But definitely what cannot be condoned is bad behavior, disrespect, uh, mistrusting, distrusting bosses and employees and so on. So the only right. way to find that out is to find a pattern and speak to different people. We ourselves have a bias to speak to our own inner circle or friends that we spoke to. Are we willing to speak to people who have a differing opinion to ours and listen to what they have to say? Because our own bias gets involved as well, right? Find the patterns, find different people to speak to, not just your own circle, um, and then put it together and make a choice for yourself based on your own threshold. Right. Now, earlier you brought up um, this idea of, you know, passive, aggressive, passive aggressiveness or, you know, these backhanded compliments. I, I'm wondering, how, what is the difference between um, direct and indirect toxic behaviours? Okay. So I think the direct toxic behaviors is much easier to spot and much mm -hmm. um, less tolerated, I would say, in most companies like, and on average, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, people being very rude and throwing things across the room and shouting and insulting and very obviously blaming other people. So that kind of culture is much easier to detect, to see it's visible. And even the bosses mostly will probably not tolerate that. The right. indirect part is much more um, subliminal and it's sort of like, you know, they're just undercurrents. So, for example, like I said earlier, um, it is that throwing colleagues under the bus, right? right. With that uh, situation where it sounds almost quite naive and quite innocent because what you said is, hey, the report got managed in time um, and poor Deepa, you know, she had so many mistakes in her drafts, but, you know, it's fine because everyone worked together. It's a great team effort. Now, just throwing <laughs> those little things in there puts, you know, throws Deepa under the bus, doesn't she? Right. So, so those kind of situations is, is harder. The other thing is this whole individualistic thing saying that, you know, when... The, the indirect behaviors might be somebody going on leave and they ask for help and nobody steps up to help them right now. It's not their job to help, true, but it is a supporting 
colleague type of camaraderie type spirit that you want at workplace. But these are indirect signs that look, there's nothing in it for me. Why should I help you? You're going on leave, you figure it out. Mm. right? And, and the last indicator I would say, which is sad, is indirect places I noticed have a little bit more usage of whistleblowing and that speak up culture that has to have has to hide behind anonymity because they cannot, they don't feel safe necessarily to say it out loud. Right, right. So you've broken down, you know, the, the various facets of a toxic work environment. What is the impact of toxic work environments on employees of that company? Okay. So I guess the impact is, I mean, there is a um, book, or, I'm sorry, an article, um, I think it was 2020, written by a gentleman called Timothy Clark. I think right. it's for four types of psychological safety. So I think the main impact is that it's about do people have psychological safety in the workplace? And there are four types of this, right? And I thought that's, I found that really quite enlightening. Um, and the first one is the level of do you feel um, psychologically safe from a perspective of being included. So these right. are the indirect situations where, you know, we talk about uh, diversity and inclusion, great, but how about just the basic new person who's joined? Is he or she accepted for lunch and for tea break or, the, you know, everyone keeps quiet when he or her joins, right? So mm. what's the culture like to, to encourage inclusion safety? The second one, very important, is learner safety. And that one is they're talking about how much are you allowed to learn through trial and error, gain new knowledge, are you expected to be correct from day one, and so on. So indirectly, a toxic behavior is the type that doesn't encourage people to try out new things, isn't it? So, right. I mean, for some people. So learner safety. So inclusion safety, learner. The third one I like is also contributor safety. So when people want to offer their advice, want to in innovate, want to make a change, does the culture sort of say, you just keep quiet, thank you very much, you know, let the leaders make do the thinking, you guys just do the doing, right? And so right. people are not encouraged to contribute really beyond just show me the money and do your job. And the last one, which is the most important, of course, is challenger safety. And I love this, which is, do I feel psychologically safe at my workplace that I can challenge knowing my boss will give me benefit of doubt that I'm asking a difficult question in the interest of the company or to better the process and so on. So Inclusion safety, do I feel part of the team? Learner safety, can I learn without being you know, told off or penalized for every small mistake? Can I contribute and have my ideas accepted? And last but not least, can I speak up and challenge the status quo for the good of the company? That would be the impact I would see, um, you know, really having that baseline of psychologically safe. On the show with me today is Deepa George. She's a HR consultant. After the break, I ask her, how can I tell if I'm the one who's making my workplace toxic? Keep it here on Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Deepa George, HR consultant. And we are talking about toxic workplace environments. So now that we can see the signs, we can we can spot the red flags, how do we maneuver the situation? If we signed up for a company and then like, oh no, it's a toxic, you know, there are signs of toxicity and, and things like that. What do we do? Uh, what, what's the next step? How do we handle the situation? Okay, so I think um, 
Again, I'd like to look at it from two perspectives. When you say when you join the company, the leader's role is a bit different from the employee role. Mm-hmm. So I would put a, a higher burden and you know responsibility if it's a new leader joining a company and he or she notices this happening. So right from the top. And I would use the simple three-step approach of, first of all, what can we do to raise our own awareness of the situation? So um, is there real toxicity? Am I going to get data points to validate that versus my own bias thinking it's not as friendly as my previous place? My work colleagues, you have to give it some time, right? So first of all, what are we willing to do to look for increasing our awareness of the real situation at the workplace? Then we move on to accepting the fact that, okay, this is the reality over here, it's not really toxic, but I notice they have this tendency to do a bit of a blame game. Everybody's trying to find someone to name. And maybe that's coming because the boss is always trying to find out who caused this issue. So we need to figure out a way to work on a two-pronged approach, speaking to the boss to understand, look, can we just resolve the issue, not always worry about who caused it? Of course, we need to address that, but let the leader deal with the performance gap. Let the overall company deal with how to move forward from it, right? Mm-hmm. So the awareness of it and then acceptance of what has to be done. And then finally, of course, action. So it's, you know, really, there's no point doing all that, but are you able to include different levels in discussions around how the company should change? Are we able to remove uh, the negative behaviors in the company and make it very clear? For example, if companies don't have performance indicators that measure also the behaviors of people, it's Definitely high time people do that. Most companies do, but I still know of some that only measure how good a performer is based on the money, the quality, the deliverables. But what about, you know, do they have teamwork? Do they, even if they don't have a proactive teamwork, make sure they have a penalty system for negative behavior. Even Mm -hmm. if you're not ready to reward or have a proper system that, you know, talks about competencies and all those amazing words that people use today. (laughs) That's not the point. The point is, is the company willing to look at change in processes? So that's at a leadership level. And an individual level, what I would say is you go in and you figure out first things is obviously, as we say, as you point to something, four fingers pointing back to ourselves. So I think we need to ask ourselves, are we contributing to the toxicity anyway? It might be easier to join the team and start rumor mongering and gossiping behind everyone's back. It's easier to make that uh, new kid on the block who's not as... Um, you know, socially apt to to be, you know, feel, continue to feel ostracized and you join the group in indirect bullying to this person and so on. So check ourselves first. And then we move on to the fact that, you know, we need to also as, as employees ask for feedback, look for data points. Our leaders give us feedback on our work, but do we have a circle of friends or colleagues that are allies who can tell us openly that, you know, Deepa, I don't think you should speak like that at that meeting. It sounds condescending and so on. So those little early uh, telltale signs and and some sort of support system will really help. Right. So, how what what do you do then if you know? It's one thing to to let's say maneuver a situation. How do would you know that you know I've tried, I've done, uh, you know, I've done like various things. Um, that environment is still toxic. When is it? When 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 do you say um, enough is enough and and now I need to leave this company? Mm, okay. So, I mean, I think first of all is, is this whether or not you've given it a chance, right? right? So I feel that to your point about you know how much chance should I give? It's your own threshold. We can't, there's no one size fits all. But for me, the rule of thumb is 
I must have at least raised it with two different parties or two different angles. I'd like to go to three, but mm. at least two. So you can't say I raised this issue with my boss and he didn't do anything about it. So that's it. I'm out of here. That's not fair. Give the process a chance. Give the system a chance. Nobody's perfect. Maybe his or her hands are also tied to a certain extent if the place is really toxic. So you need to try two different angles where you can speak. Maybe one to your supervisor or one to a neutral party, whether it's HR, whether it's some other department, um, you know, and, and give it a chance. That's one. Number two is then after doing that, also look at how you can help the system along. A lot of people want to talk about this negative behavior on an anonymous basis or confidential basis. The problem with that is how can we affect change? If Deepa made the complaint about such a situation and about a specific example and she wants a situation changed but she wants to remain anonymous, how do we have the power to raise that without people either knowing it was Deepa or to do something about it, right? right. It, just, it just becomes a sounding board opportunity. So I think people must be clear, what do you want from this? If you want things to change, are you willing to put our own sort of like, you know, um, skin in the game? Um, and then last but not least, if you think that it's affecting your own well-being, it's really time to probably move on last. So if you've tried all this and you feel you dread Sunday nights because, you know, you have to go in on Monday or you dread that every single meeting, you, you sort of have this crazy sense of, you know, even physiologically our body changes, right? We get mm -hmm. uh, flushed or we feel blood, uh, you know, rushing to our head, the pulse <laughs> is racing, all these kind of things. If it starts affecting our own physical well-being, then I'm afraid it's time to, to look for change. But we should also work on ourselves because every place has its own, you know, negative vibes for whatever reason. No place is perfect. So we need to also increase our own threshold and tolerance for this. Deepa, how important is it um, to, you know, when, when you see these problems uh, and you want to affect change for you to put your um, skin in the game in that sense? Because uh, oftentimes uh, people could be... Uh, Especially, let's say, if you're someone uh, who is not, let's say, a senior in the company or things like that. And you you see it could be various things, right? It could be something uh, very um, drastic, like, let's say, uh, misogynistic behavior, uh, sexual harassment, so on and so forth. Or it could be something um, um, different, uh, you know, something more subtle, something that is um, maybe not so obvious and, and things like that. Um, but you're afraid that if you voice out um, and and you know put your name out there that you know these these are the problems that you notice and and you want to change things like you're worried like oh what are your colleagues gonna say perhaps like your colleagues have been fine in this sort of environment for so long are they gonna say anything it's sort of like you know being in that class and then like you know like it's like sometimes like people don't want to put their hands up and ask the teacher a question or to criticize because then you're like, oh, is this person, uh, you know, dragging the class along, you know, like I just want to go home. Why is this person always the guy that's putting his hands up and asking questions and, and things like that? Uh, what advice would you give? You know, it goes back to the intention of what you're doing. If you're mm. just being kepo, if you're just being a busybody, <laughs> then then please restrain la, restrain right, ourselves. Absolutely. But if you are being what I call a valid kepo, mm -hmm. meaning that if you really notice, you see, it's like a, if you see something, say something, right? That's a saying mm -hmm. people do. So obviously, if it's a, uh, I'm not saying men don't get sexually harassed, but assuming that it's more common in the workplace for females. So you brought right. up something very serious as much as harassment. Mm -hmm. but um, if you see something, say something will come to light, right? So in that case, I would say being a valid capo, if somebody sees someone doing something, 
for me, the first rule of thumb is, are we willing to say something directly to the individual concern? Now, I know it's hard. Sometimes there's power dynamics. Sometimes there's one person's a senior, one person's a junior, to your point, right? But mm-hmm. when I say skin in the game, of course, I don't mean do something silly. And secondly, you, there's ways to do it politely and professionally without being rude or biad up about it. Right. So how can we, you know, one is, are we safe? Are we um, confident enough to address to the person saying, hey, I don't think, you know, I just saw what happened. Can I be very frank with you? I felt that was quite uncomfortable. And I saw that this person was very, you know, uh, felt very weird in that situation. I'm not sure you should have said that or done that to her. Now, in most cases, first of all, the person might be taken by surprise, especially this person's junior doing that. Secondly, is the if the person really saw that to be something wrong and is willing to speak up, you might be surprised that this person might respect him or her for that. Now, if he or she is a toxic individual who thinks, who on earth do you think you are doing that to me? Obviously, then you need to exercise your judgment and maybe go to a third party. This is where you'd go to your own supervisor or go to HR or go to some other party. There is no um, hard and fast rule on how much skin in the game or what the risks are. It depends on how much you want to continue to be part of the organization. Do you want to either make that change and be willing to put your neck, stick out, neck out a little bit for it? Or are you going to tolerate it? Or are you just going to leave? I always say, either you work towards change or you will be changed or otherwise you just look for change. Those are the three <laughs> options we have in life. Um, you know, and, and it's just a matter of that. I'm not saying everybody must stick their head out. Mm-hmm. But you must understand if you do, there's repercussions. But if you don't, there also are, right? So we need to decide what we want to do. But give it a chance. Try it. We all have much more um, skills in ourselves to speak up and share these views than we think we do. As long as we do it politely and say, you know, hey, Mr. A, I saw you speak to so-and-so. I saw you touched her uh, on her shoulder and she looked really uncomfortable. I really don't think maybe, you know, that's not something you should consider doing. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. But you already know, is that a place that you want to stay on or not if that is continued behavior? Mm, I think that's very, very well said. Now, uh, you know, earlier you brought up something very important, this thing where you said, I think, you know, it's about you have to reflect, you know, one finger pointing outwards, four fingers pointing towards yourself. But I think a lot of people, sometimes they don't know because you've you've been in, like we have all been in companies where you meet a one person, few people or whatever it may be. And they're like, oh, this is terrible. This place is terrible. The boss is terrible, um, you know, so on and so forth. And, mm-hmm. and, and things are unfair. But in reality, they are the ones that are the toxic ones in the company. Um, they are the ones that are contributing yes. to the unhealthy workplace. They're yep. just perhaps delusional or whatever it may be. Um, how do you maneuver this? What are the signs that you are the ones who are toxic? Okay. Um. Well, I guess the science is, you know, there's a there's something called like, this level of moral authority, which is you don't have to be in a position of uh, power, but mm-hmm. you are just somebody who has high moral authority is just that one. We can all think of this person at work where we kind of know who we can go to when we want to bounce off an idea, if we're uncomfortable situation. He or she may not be our supervisor, our peer, our colleague, just somebody who's a trusted someone in the company, right? And so that is the one extreme. But if you find yourself in a situation where other than directly about work um, and maybe some superficial lunch buddies and team, nobody really wants to hang out with you. Nobody really wants you to be part of the team. So you've got to check yourself on that. The other thing I would say you need to actively do is to check our own level of self-toxicity is do we have an accountability buddy? So hopefully nobody is so much of a loner that they don't even have a one ally at the workplace. Right. So can can we agree that you and I be a buddy and tell each other 
if and when we are out of line. So it becomes mm. like a peer support system. It's almost like going to a gym and we work harder <laughs> when you are with somebody, right? right? With a buddy. So same thing, have an accountability buddy for our behavior and keeping that in check. The other thing is, which I think is important, is we need to go back to our personal relationships we have with our family, our spouses, our kids, our, our parents and siblings. And have there been things which they have told us, hey, you know, you always do this. You're always um, interrupting me. You always uh, want to be right. <laughs> you always <laughs> want to be, you know, all those kind of things. And check ourselves whether do we bring that to the workplace. We need to reflect, right? Oops, I think I tend to speak over others. Am I doing that at meetings? Am I So we need to have that maturity to really bring some of those personal relationship cues where they've been willing and out of tough love shared that with us and ask ourselves, do we apply it at work? And last but not least, of course, on a more objective basis is watch out for rumors, find out, you know, try and find out what people are saying in the grapevine. And if you're part of that, you must realize if one person says something to you negatively, maybe not. But if two, three people start talking about it, then I'm sorry, it must be some truth, right? Because you are the common denominator. So accountability buddy, personal relationship cues, look at what people say about you in your personal relationships. And last but not least, you know, keep your eyes and ears open for what's happening outside. I'm not sure if this um, oversimplifies the, the 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 situation, right? Because oftentimes toxic environments can be a little bit complex and things like that. But I'm wondering, are there like sort of questions that can help people reflect? Questions that I can ask myself to sort of test whether I'm a toxic person at work, whether I'm a regular employee or whether I'm one of the leaders in the company? Yeah. Um. I wish there was a sort of like, I wish I could come up with some sort of overarching question. <laughs> but I think I think there are two or three, right? So right. let's break, break this down. I think for the self, mm-hmm. the first one I want to ask myself is, so assuming I'm a decent worker contributing to my work, I'm right. part of a team, I work for a certain leader or boss or supervisor, it doesn't matter. So the first one I must ask myself is, okay, what else do I contribute besides my job? So am I the person who provides a bit of humor to the workplace and help people laugh? Am I the person who provides a bit of storytelling and get people fascinated with the old style of how things were? Or am I the person who always looks at negative things in the company? Am I? So you've got to ask yourself, so what else do I bring to the table besides doing my job well? Do people, then the second part would be, do people respect me beyond right. the job that I do? I think that's the big, bigger question. I have three, but this would be my second. So if people, you know, respected me, is it because I know what I'm doing or because of who I am, who I am? right? So that's mm-hmm. a question. But the third and the most important one I would say, which I would use for both leader and employee is, if my colleagues had the chance to choose their team member, would they choose me? Right. Right? right, and, and, right. and why? And why or why not? So that's to me is like a ouch. It'll be an ouch question, <laughs> answer or not. And then for the leader, um, the two additional ones, of course, the same thing. Would my team choose me as the leader if they had a chance to redo it? That would be an asset test for me for the leader. The other thing is, why should anyone be led by me? What gain will they get if they are led by me, right? What do I offer? And again, the same thing, how have I contributed? So to me, it's really the, the, you know, if people had a chance to choose you as an employee, as a colleague, as a leader, would they do it all over again, knowing now who you are? And then second is, 
what have you contributed beyond doing your job alone? Do you contribute positively? Or, ouch, I'm the Roma, I'm the person, I'm reliable at being unreliable. I'm reliable at being tardy. I'm reliable at gossip mongering. Oh my goodness, you don't want to be known that. <laughs> but you have to reflect on yourself first. Right. And I think, and I guess Deepa, it goes without saying that when you're asking these questions to yourself, you have to be honest with yourself, right? Ah, yes. We, we are not there to sit there and watch, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, Deepa, just one uh, thing before we wrap this conversation up, would you have a, some final thoughts or a final message for us when it comes to approaching um, toxic workplace environments? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any words of wisdom, but what I can <laughs> say from my experiences in the past and so on, and, you know, the putting it all together is before we look at the organization, before we look at the leaders, before we look at our colleagues and call this place toxic, let's check ourselves first, please, because we want to make sure that we take responsibility for our own actions and then, you know, act accordingly. And on that note, let's not be a passive passenger in our environment and our workplace. Let's make sure that we are contributing to make a difference and making that positive change. It's not meant to be all la-di-da and idealistic, but hey, why not? If we want to be in a workplace, don't we want it to be as ideal as possible? So let's be part of making that, that difference. And I thought I, I want to leave with one example of a company mm -hmm. that recognized its toxicity and started something which I thought was fabulous. Uh, if you remember, I think close to, what, 15, 20 years ago, is a movie called Pay It Forward. Right. And what it was is about doing a good deed. And so this company decided, let's just start with something small. And it sounded so fluffy, but everybody loved it once they got on board. So they had one whole week where everyone in the company was paying it forward. And so everyone had to do a good deed for someone else. And that person has to go and do it for two other people. First starting at work and then back at home and in the communities. It was quite a big success. So... These are little things we can do to sort of pivot our styles if necessary. Fantastic. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Deepa. Thank you. That was Deepa George, HR Consultant. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts over available on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan and this has been Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.